Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. This is a verse that I have to... I don't know if you're allowed to say this. Am I allowed to say this? I've never liked this verse. I took upon myself years and years ago to try and preach systematically through the Bible and not to pick and choose the bits that I would preach on. And uh, that's taken us to doing John, and I'm doing it verse by verse. This is a verse that if I could choose, I would not speak on. Not because it's particularly difficult, although maybe it is, but it's because of the way it's been used so many times over the years to say something that I don't want it to say. I need to look clearly at the verse and try and work out why Jesus says what he says. He says, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And time and time again, I've heard people justify to me that we don't need to do as much for the poor, we don't need to do as much for people that are hungry, or we don't need to do as much to stand against injustice because we will always have the poor. And what we really need to do is to prioritize Jesus. And that is said so many times, I've always found this verse difficult because there's something within me that goes, is that really what Jesus intended? Well, let's try as best as we are able to set aside our prejudices and have a look and see exactly what Jesus is saying. Uh, To do that, we need to understand the context. The context comes from John chapter 11, where a friend of Jesus called Lazarus has died and his sisters, Mary and Martha, have sent for Jesus, but he doesn't get there until four days after he has died. But he calls out to Jesus, uh, calls out Jesus, calls out to Lazarus and raises him from the dead. And a little while later, just before the beginning of Holy Week, the last week of Jesus' life, he goes back to Bethany into another person's house and he has a meal. And Mary and Martha, the two sisters, are serving with um, Lazarus eating with Jesus and some other folk. And Mary takes about 30,000 pounds worth of perfume. We looked at all of this in our last study. Uh, She takes about 30,000 pounds worth of perfume, which would have been saved up for a whole lifetime for their burial. And she pours it over Jesus. And one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, says which that which Matthew and uh, Mark say, others were saying as well, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Now that's actually, I think, where many of us would, would, would feel. If, if somebody spent 30,000 pounds on 20 minutes of worship, we might question what was going on. Now John tells us that Jesus, uh, sorry, that Judas had a slightly different motive, that he really didn't care about the poor, but that he was uh, looking after the disciples' finances and quite fancied a little bit more for himself. Anyway, Jesus then says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. And that's when he says these words, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So what does he mean? You will always have the poor among you. It's very clear from the whole context of other things that Jesus says that he is not saying that the poor don't matter. And therefore, to take this verse as saying the poor don't matter is not being true and fair to who Jesus is. How do you know, you say? Well, let's look at a few other things that Jesus says about the poor. Notice the great manifesto where Jesus fulfills a prophecy in Isaiah in the synagogue where he proclaims what his ministry is. This is at the beginning of his ministry. And Luke tells us that he deliberately takes on the prophecy from 
Isaiah of who the Messiah is going to be. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. And the very first thing is to be proclaiming good news to the poor. Therefore, the poor clearly matter. A little bit later, uh, he says this. He says, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. In other words, if you want to know how to be spiritually clean, it's not all the ceremonies, it's not all the religious rules that you keep. It's a care and compassion for the poor. And perhaps it's spelt out the most clearly in Matthew's gospel. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come and follow me. If you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions to the poor. It is clear from the whole life of Jesus, his ministry, that he cares deeply about the poor. So this verse isn't him not saying that the poor don't matter. Rather, he's saying that there's something more important, which is his relationship with him. And I believe what Jesus is saying is that the care for the poor comes out of a love for Jesus. In our last talk, we looked at how much Mary loves Jesus and how she, was, she responds with this extravagant gratitude of, of pouring out this 30,000 pounds worth of perfume. And it's clear then that what Jesus is saying is that, that what she did was right because the love for the poor needs to stem out of a love for Jesus, not a replacement for a love for Jesus. It's not instead of a love for Jesus. And the, what Mary is doing is valuing time spent in his presence. We know that this is a theme in Mary's life, other account, other uh, experience that Mary and Martha have, where uh, Martha complains that Mary is not helping but spending time with Jesus. Mary is saying, the most important thing to me is Jesus. And Jesus commends that to her and to us. He says, look, if you put me first, if you, if you seek me, if you express your love for me, what I believe is you will end up caring for the poor. But if you put the poor ahead of me and you lose a love for me and you no longer want to express gratitude you will find that that love for the poor becomes onerous and difficult. Put the Lord our God first and all other things of his kingdom work out. It's not that the other things aren't important, but it's that the power and the energy comes from them. If we try to love the poor without a love for Jesus, we are broken, we burn out, we come uh, to a point of feeling that it's too much. If we love the poor without a sense of wonder and gratitude for all that Jesus has done for us, his love for us, if we don't want to be with him, then it all becomes like an engine without oil. He says, you don't, he says to them, you won't always have me. In other words, in a few days, he is going to, um, to die and to be resurrected and then to ascend to heaven. He's saying, make this count because this is the engine for the rest of your life. This is the fuel. This is the food. These moments are what is going to sustain you to do the will that I've called you for. It is these times in the presence of Jesus that will give you all the resources to care for the poor in the future. 
And so we put our dependence on his spirit. We put our dependence on relationship. We put prayer and worship at the very heart of our life. And out of that flows a care for the poor. But if we put worship in there and say all that matters is worship and we don't need to care for the poor, we don't need to care for our neighbor, for the uh, person who's been beaten up on the road to Jerusalem as the Good Samaritan responded to, then James and Jesus and so many parts of the gospel say that that isn't love. How can you say you love God but hate your neighbor? You're a liar, says John in his letters. So there are so many ways in which it's abundantly clear that we are to love those in need. I was hungry and you fed me. It's the mark of those who know Jesus. I was naked and you clothed me. These are all scriptures that point powerfully to Jesus' desire that we get alongside and help the poor. But it comes out of first spending time with Jesus. It comes out of Spending time in thankfulness, appreciating all that he's done for us. And you may want to go back to last study to look a little bit more at that. So whatever it is that we're doing for God, it has to come out of a relationship with him. Time spent with him. And time spent in thankfulness and worship and adoration. So these are our questions for reflection How do we prioritize time with Jesus? Are we all doing, 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 or are there times when we sit down to pray and to listen, to read scripture, to allow worship to soak over us? How do we express gratitude? Because if we're so engrossed in the world's pain and the injustices of the world, and we haven't learned to give thanks for what he's done, we will burn out. And Christian ministry is filled with people who wanted to do so much for God, but they neglected the disciplines of time with Jesus and of worship. So how do these disciplines inspire our care for the poor as we think and reflect on our life? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you care for the poor. We thank you that you have a heart and a burden for those who have less, for those who are struggling, for those who are in need. But Lord, we thank you that that comes out of relationship and it's not instead of relationship. Help us to put first time with you, to work out how that fits into our weekly and daily routines. Help us to put thankfulness and worship and and the gratitude into the very pattern of our day that it may sustain us when we deal with the suffering and injustices and oppression of this world. Lord, help us to prioritize these disciplines we ask. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Finally, sometimes people ask me, how do we know who the poor are? What is the definition of poverty? How much is poor? Uh, Am I poor or am I rich? I think the best definition of poverty is anyone who has less than us. And God calls every one of us to do what we can for those who we live amongst and those who live around the world that we hear of, for anyone who has less than us. Because in comparison to us, they are poor. And he invites us to care for the poor, not instead of, but out of our relationship with him.